Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. You were defeated, left for dead. All is ashes. Your heart stirs, your broken body numbing with the rage of retaliation. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome back to 25 Years, and I know this uh, is supposed to be Requiem, but... We have a launch for V5, Vampire 5th Edition. Uh, that being the second second Inquisition book. I almost said sec one Inquisition. <laughs> like, you know, I regressed there for some reason. Inquisition um, how squared. You guys, Brennan, Chris, how you guys doing? Doing pretty good. I want to tell you amazing. I want to tell you it's hotness. And uh, what we're going to do, though, is uh, tell the truth, right, as we feel it today. Um, I want to start this off by setting up some some parameters here. It's not real exciting to talk about hunters in a vampire genre. At least for me, it never is. Because it's pretty much, you're just highlighting a, an antagonist. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, it's, it's all you're doing. It's one thing if it's a hunter game, and it tells you how to play hunters, and how to be hunters, and then do everything like that. That might be worth diving into for everybody to hear. But storyteller side, STs, let me bring you in close real quick. And if you're listening right now, you know what I know. You never play your antagonist as written in a book. Mm-mm. You never, ever do. You, you're the last person that needs help presenting an enemy. At most, what you want them to already have is a template slapped in a book with a unique little thingy to maybe shock your players with. That's it. <coughs> Excuse me. But you bring the imagination, you bring the story, you bring the content. Hardly ever do you need them to tell you how to go, what to do, or whatever with your antagonist. However, when it's a unique antagonist... It's, it bears worth make, making a book, right? So I stand by making a Sabbat book to understand that vision of the Sabbat. I still stand by the Inquisition book does what again, exactly? You know, mm-hmm. you had Hunter Hunters 2 that told you about what they had great. It's more humans with more guns and more attack and blah, blah, blah. That's how I feel. It does not change because of this book. And I'll tell you why. Off the bat, when it told me how to use this book, storyteller book, geared for antagonists, and I said immediately... All right, so guns, unique bombs, some ridiculous sword, and something else is going to be mm-hmm. in here. But you're telling me nothing different other than how many alphabet terms you can throw in for special organizations that somehow didn't know the supernatural was real. Now, that's a hard sell. That's anybody. I don't care who made the book. That's always going to be my stance. And that's going to be my stance here. I need you to knock it out the park. Go ahead and try to find ways that's like, you know what? Actually, dot, dot, dot. Because we're trying to hit a wide scope here. But I know your faces. I know your faces. And when we're on camera right here, right now, neither one of you... Right now, Brentron's going, how the hell am I going to do that? You know, Chris is smiling. When the devil monkey of the East Coast is smiling, that tells you he he feels some type of way about it. Mm-hmm. And, and me, I'm not going to pull punches. I'm going to go first. There's an introduction story. Great. I'm glad a writer got to sing his praises. I'm sure it's interesting. Pushing it to the side. There's a lot I want to go through. And we're just going to let that be what it is. Why? Kind of getting away from putting the kid gloves on and talking about... I was quiet about the Sabbat book, not being player perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? I mentioned there's a double side because I feel that. I do feel that. 
there are other books I talked about where, where, it's, where we've talked about collectively. We've been like, well, let's do an all-side thing and blah, blah, blah. I feel a wake-up needs to be given. And it's going to start with this. Because I deliberately feel this book was just... Eh. It's military, right? And I'm going to give you a preview. We'll get to it later on if we have time. But I was researching weaponry they threw out to figure out where they got it from. I like doing that. You know what I like when somebody makes something unique? It's truly unique. They spent time. They sat in a place. They thought of something. And it's something that could realistically work. You know, something that really got you to go, huh, I wonder where and how... And, and what effect could I use it for? That's cool. That's worth reading about. I started looking at this uh, active denial system. Now, I'm going to point this out. The active denial system needs to be mounted on some sort of APC or vehicle or super jeep or wherever you have to roll it around. It's designed for crowd control. And its point is you have this like giant stop sign of metal. And it's, and it's up there. Mm -hmm. And they direct it. And it uses basically microwave emitters to slowly heat up the skin of a target. Right? So it's basically you're pointing it at them, and you're sitting there. And over a course of a couple seconds, they want to move because they're warm. Right. Now, you put this in a vampire book, and I'm sitting here going, are you under the impression there are droves just to see a vampires in the streets rolling over like rats released, just eating mortals left and right, and we have time to set up these choke points? Where we're just going to slowly herd them. Because they're mindless and they're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's the type of thought process I had here. Because I like smart hunters. And when I think of smart hunters. I think of hunters that, I don't know. Um, aren't fully funded by a well-awakened super AI. That can outthink anything we do on the internet. Because that's a, that's a cool MacGuffin. And, and things of that nature. I think of people who earn their paycheck. Mm -hmm. Right? When you tell me the CIA has been aware of vampires... They just won't bring it up to the world because it's their job, first and foremost, not to panic you. Right. They're trying about to protect something. some like baseline of normalcy. I was like, I, I when I was going through this, man, and uh, I got a big, uh, not a big, but like a slight like SCP feel from it, right? Like we're going yes. in that direction. And I have the same problem with that that I do with the SCP and that it's too freaking like broad ranging. It's too like uh, there are these monumental problems. Uh, that are that are crazy and almost insurmountable, and yet every time they're supposed to be able to come over it, like overcome it. And that's just a taste DJ, of it, right? Oh, uh, SCP is a uh, it's a collaborative fiction that is incredibly popular on the internet. It stands for Secure, Contain, Protect. So they're like supernatural or like not normal things that exist, and SCP exists to contain them and protect people from finding out about them, almost like a masquerade. So, so and when you listen to that, it's it's something people have mentioned because they right. use something weird, oftentimes unheard of, or even heard of. In a different way, you look. You, you've ever seen it before? To present it creepy, and uh, it's that, that's what it is. And they talk about it, and they over government it, mm -hmm. right? There's like every lever in the al alphabet back to front mm -hmm. that is typically in those shows before they tell you what it is, right? And that's I've I've poked fun in it, but it's tolerable until right. That's 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 that. But it's enjoyable for a lot of folks, including myself, from time to time. When it comes to this book, though, I didn't want that. What is I didn't want that from hunters, and I didn't expect that. You know, I had. Uh, I had high hopes that what we were going to get is reasons things happen. And that's probably what we're going to focus on first so we can joke around about stuff afterward and talk about things. And it's not, again, it's not all bad. Here's the stuff for speed and past. 
Can new players STs use this for antagonists for hunters? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does it work for V5? Mm-hmm. It's designed for V5. So yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Is it a book that's worth picking up if you can't possibly think of how hunters are operate? Absolutely. However, if you have all the other books previously up to this point from first stat on that talked about hunters, you don't need to get this book. Mm-hmm. You don't. Right? You can, you can imagine in your own lab how that might work. In fact, they have incendiary round rules in the base uh, book for, for V5, which means you don't need them uh, to tell you any special type of ammo here because they already give you the most deadly. You can think of different rules for even better ammo or whatever else exists out there. It's just that simple. And they need to they needed to give you something you couldn't do on your own. And I always think that. Whenever I get a book, does this stop me from being able to do what I could think of collectively on myself. And before we think that I'm super arrogant and sit back at home and go bob things to everything, no, I don't. But when I'm given something, I want my imagination to be lit on fire. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Same as it's fiction. I want that. So when it comes to that, sorry, it's a little beeping thing that <laughs> wouldn't be muted, so I just threw it. Um, <laughs> when it comes to that, there's one thing I'm going to bring up, and that's Vienna. We're going to skip around. If you're listening to this podcast, we assume you've heard of the Arcanum, you've heard of all the Inquisition, the old school stuff, all the stuff they're going to reference here, and the new organizations, we're not going to spend that much time going over Mm -hmm. them, but guess what? They didn't give you that much detail about them anyway in this book. They're there, they're mentioned, maybe two pages, and you're done. Mm -hmm. If that. Not a whole lot to go with it. I don't blame them. They tell you how an organization is built, how they might move, and all that's in here. How they might track vampires and spot them, that's in here. But that's not what you want to listen to. What you want to listen to is, man... Why are you guys triggered by it, like it or don't like it? Here it is. When you think of Vienna, you heard of a drone strike that happened out of nowhere that caught the Tremir with their pants down. Mm-hmm. Rocked their world, devastated, it was awesome, right? There's some things that came up in my head immediately. How did you have a clandestine drone strike that didn't raise governmental hairs? And didn't cause a huge international scandal? Where does that happen? I expected in this book to hear that the, there is a second Inquisition fully funded worldwide that governments had hooked up and got together and decided that we're going to definitely clear these people to make moves like that and that's what's going on. However, I'm going to quote to you in this book what it says. One line about the Inquisition, the second Inquisition. The second Inquisition is a phenomenon, not an organization. Mm-hmm. So what this means is that there are certain groups that kind of sort of know about each other, but they're in a shadow war against themselves. Because for some reason... If you're opposing the vampiric race and you know they need to be stopped, we therefore need to lie, cheat, and steal, and trick each other to get the info that you have so we have it and you don't, for some odd reason. That baffled me. And then I looked at Vienna again and I said, hang on a second. What do I know that the Tremere have? The Tremere have several rituals to make it to where their chantry can't even be found, bureaucratically or by technology, at all. They have rituals to make it. If you try to do any form of bureaucratic nonsense to even locate them in any form of... It's magic. They are hidden. You're going to have to go there with your eyesight and see them and deal with them as as best you can. And when you do that, don't think they're out of gargoyles. Don't think they're out of magicians who can handle you. They master dominate long before a lot of other people had a handle on it. And that's, that's what they do. The Chimera not slouches. And they prepare. Mm-hmm. This Chanshi was ready to be raided and I'm sitting here going, okay, this is the Prime Chantry. Right. It's not like they took out the Chantry in Bogota. It's the one that has, like, what? It's called, like, the Seven, right? The ones that sit at the very top of that pyramid. And you talked about, like, this was a, a fortress 
that that was set up in Vienna, like it was a literal fortress. Like I, the time of their war with the the Zemis was like centuries ago. I don't believe mm-hmm. for a second that that the Zemis haven't stopped trying to hunt them down because they're not far away from the old country of the Zemis. And it sets that precedent even back in those books that it's still ongoing. You just assume the Chimere and Zemis are at war wherever they can, and it makes sense. Ham Sabat even, so it still has that. You're right, but to keep it hunter centric. They're coming here, and they found about this chantry. Now, they don't tell you that they investigate. Were the Shamir breaking the masquerade? Were they in Vienna drinking people with sippy straws? Mm-mm. Like, just kaboom, poking them in the neck and sucking them down? <laughs> right? Was there so. drive-by theft of Vitae going on? Like, what told them that this place was a problem in the first place? Because this, cha- this chantry was Trump-type. Mm-hmm. Every chantry is. And they ruled this area, which means they wouldn't broker people coming in and ruining the masquerade. They knew how important they had it and how important it was to keep it where it was. So, hmm. All right, you just want to get rid of the Shamir Chantry to justify a lot of other stuff. That becomes crystal clear. Mm. Right? Like Karna's Rebellion and all that. You were just literally justifying it and didn't think anybody would even look back to see, oh, well, why couldn't we do this? Now, you're saying you can do this because algorithms. It's not what they discovered. It's what was not discovered. Patterns and non-patterns, right? So in this, they, they reference something that's very important. How would you track a vampire? Well... They don't go to the grocery store often, nor do they go to the gas station. You don't need to. They got service for that, right? They're not the ones who are taking all these showers, so the water bill's got to be pretty good, and everything else. And I'm like, that's great. If like I'm trying to hunt one vampire in his haven, and somehow this isn't a person who went on vacation, like there's a lot of stuff. I could have retainers, bonehead, mm-hmm. right? They are the ones ringing up. You know, if they live there and it's a big chantry, it's a big building. There's a huge light. Like there's there's reasons this goes on. Also, <clears throat> the ritual takes care of that. Like, when you look up on paper, should this place be there? Yeah, the bills are paid, everything's okay, stop bothering but, us. But, Bob, how can they cover it? Is it because, I don't know, it's literal magic? It's it's literal yeah. magic. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that a little bit, because what they put in here is that the Arcanum dealt with the magical defenses <laughs> of the Tremir Chantry, and the Vatican came in and benefited from the items found. The drone strikes did the rest. And I'm, and I'm baffled at a path that actually had access to technomancy, right? Um, they, they did. You know, Anarchs may have used it, and you may even say that one person found it, and that's that. Bet your ass the Tremere had a flavor of it and knew about it. They're also a younger clan. This isn't an archaic, ancient clan from back in Nod. They were aware that adaptation... It is not the strongest, it is not the smartest that survive. It is the most adaptable to the times that survive, and that has always been the Tremere clan the most adaptable because thaumaturgy is that ability to adapt to most situations and those they can't adapt to research and study that's why people like them that's why they're a problem and that's why the camera accepted them so when you just have it to where mortals ponied up because they discovered 5g access and oh we now have gps ah drone strike nothing stops a drone strike i get the impression and i'm going back to denny's era right when i used to hang out there of these guys sitting in the back talking about <coughs> hunters and how the U.S. government, if they knew that vampires existed, they would just go ahead and send tomahawk missiles right into the state, right in right in the city, and just blow them up. And I was like, you ever heard of collateral damage? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, that's why that's why a tomahawk doesn't get launched inside of city limits. You know, you send other things in there to deal with it. That's why terrorists are a hard thing to deal with. That's why any small force trying to usurp or deal with an internal... 
go go read a little bit yeah i mean like even whenever like a, a swat team is actually called out to to anything right if it's even like one perpetrator it's never like they bust in the doors and take care of business it usually takes like hours and things are, are set up to like there, there's no hiding that so to just like sin go ahead oh no i was i was sitting there you caught the gesture because i'm like oh man this our Finish your point. I won't be rude. Uh, point is, whenever there has never been like a time where there has been like a, a threat to society, where it's like, all right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, uh, what's what's the term? Uh, scorched earth, everything around it here, right? Because there, there is still, if you're trying, if you're trying to take care of vampires because they're a threat to, to society to the people, it, it's obvious that drones striking random buildings in the city to remove them is only acting against you it's going against everything they're going to do and there's no way they could continue that so why would that even be a thing like they would send tomahawk missiles i got an answer for you yeah got an answer for everybody you know what made sense for me there was two plots i wanted to see develop here plot number one you remember sejanus good old marcus vitell mm-hmm. set in set in washington dc a long time didn't you yeah Everybody wondered, how could you be the Prince of D.C. and sit there so long with all those connections and deep connections? And his rival, Methuselah Lysambra, badass he may be, his rival was the Tremere clan. One dude in the Tremere clan stood there, and he had all this influence that went into the government. And so Marcus Vettel knew damn well better than a step on this dude. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's it. But they had a great and clever battle, i.e. the Sejanus was amused that this guy could do it so much so soon. That was a cool relationship that was built that never got answered. Nobody ever need to check DC for being a great story place to have a game set and see how it falls out because that's always a good rivalry, right? You couldn't just handle it with might, but we couldn't just do it with magic because guess what? That would ruin our masquerade and we're all here to support that. That made it pretty cool. On the back end, I said to myself, the update to that, which I could saw going very well, is if we know Marcus Vettel got outed and he's playing his contingencies. We know his endgame is Scorched Earth. Mm. He doesn't care. That, that's his outcome. Mm-hmm. He wants the world devastated to where he rules solely. You know what? It's a good way to do that? If you knew how to get rid of your enemy where they live. Right? It's the one kismet thing I imagine a somber Methuselah like this dude would have done. I know how good my rival has it in D.C. I can't get it done in D.C., but I spend great assets and difficulty to figure out what's going on in Vienna. And once I've found about where that place is... I'll show you the influence that a Methuselah wields that you didn't think I had. And cause a little guy in, a little favor here, sacrifice some pawns, cost him a bunch. Boom, boom, boom. This Chantry said, and I wouldn't have said one thing. Not a thing. I don't think any vampire fan would have said anything but go, wow, mm-hmm. the power of a Methuselah. Right? Because that's what they are. They're a threat. Everybody united to kill him, but you didn't kill him and he's still out there. They're still there. There are still plots of Tally the Hound and V5 serving Yep, him. there are. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you thread that in so easily in this book? Call him whatever you like, and it still would have worked. Do you one better? You could have even said that the Seven never stayed at that Chantry. That that was all hyperbole. That was there to keep the Zemisi entertained. They put the wards up. They just show up to renew them. There's one guy from Golden Lane kicking rocks. That's his sole job. He had too much humanity to want to participate in the other stuff that Shemir did. Fine. Guard our secrets, which, by the way, are nothing. You know why? We learned of the Arcanum, and we know these bonehead mortals are running around, psychics and whatever they think they are, and they're staring at what we have and are trying to steal up our lore. We burnt the building down as a warning, which is one of their libraries, and told them, 
you better stop now. And we walked away. By the way, the same plot from Highlander. The Highlander TV show, the Arcanum get too close as the Watchers, and they burn their stuff down. And they're like, we no longer intervene with the Immortals. Right? It's the same plot. Right? So imagine me being me when I was a kid. Oh, wow, what a unique show. Highlander is pretty cool. Here we are, born to be kings. I'm a Watcher. I run around. Okay. I'll even tell you the episode. The Watchers, there's one of them who finds out he's an immortal, but he can't fight with a sword and doesn't have the sentries to keep up. So he uses technology. Uzis and whatnot with a team of guys that shoot people so he could chop off their head with a machete. And then the immortals respond by killing their group, the Watchers, and the Watchers are like, we don't do that. We don't get involved. Which brings us to the rule from Hunter Hunter 2, where Hunters Hunted 2, where the Arcanum basically stated, this great tragedy happened. We will not get involved with vampires of all the creatures and entities we studied we stepped to them to just study them and they came back to annihilate us and we can't have our precious knowledge damaged so we won't step up and do it out of a hat they step up to do it and the vatican gets the artifacts also that that's that irked me that irked me a lot what artifacts would a bunch of magical vampires have that the vatican would want to keep would want to use why would they not just burn it it's not going to be anything like related to jesus christ i can pretty much guarantee that it's probably going to be related to i don't know blood magic well something i'll mention here um after i give dj shot on the topic of vienna you got anything to add vienna i was about to say i, I fully agree with it I, I that vienna timeshare was just willing to go it was like the seven were like now I'll go uh, Cancun's a better time. Uh, but I, I fully agree with it. And to kind of jump on what Brendan is saying, it, it does make you wonder why would the Vatican would get involved. Um, obviously, the only thing they're, they're painting at that point in time or the way that I'm taking it is like, if if we can't, if they can't have it, we should just grab it and lock it up. It belongs in a museum, right? <laughs> so it's just like, uh, so they take it and that's the only reason I could ever think of it. Because outside of it, you're right, the, the Arcanum's involvement seems a little sus. But... I can't, uh, I'm not an author for this, so I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I do think that it's a, it just hits me, like, out of the left, right? So it's like, that's, that Wilson smash. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel your throne candy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's all this is. Is like, yeah. well, isn't it cool? They're gone. Moving on. No, it's not cool. Right? It's, I feel like we're watching Game of Thrones. I've said this before. That analogy's old. But, like, we all expected something different, and they were like, no, nah, we'll just do this. It's over. Bam, and you know, and everybody's unhappy. That's, it's kind of how this feels a little bit. Um, but, in the, in the event that you do like the outcome because you weren't there for all the older stuff, it makes sense. If you're trying to make V5 the new hotness brand and you're ignoring all the older stuff, that's great, but you're playing a definite diminished brand. I'm going to tell you that right now because the origins of your stories were what made the genre great, not the not what we have at the moment. Right? I'll say that. It, you demand more and you should demand mm. more. Um, I think of the efforts done in Beckett's Jihad Diary and what a wondrous and awesome tie-in that was mm-hmm. to set up greatness. Where is that? Where is that? What do you ask, Bob? I'll tell you. Look at the Haiti entry. When you look at what they say about Haiti, they, they describe it being once an open hunting... And this is in the Second Inquisition book recently. Uh, V5, I should say. Mm-hmm. Once an open hunting ground for kindred, Haiti has become a dangerous country to be a vampire. And you're thinking to yourself, no kidding. We've already been over that. <laughs> we're, we're opening it, no problem. Mm-hmm. But then it goes on to say that basically, they make it seem like there's just an overthrow of teenagers, right? Is how it's written, even. That, like, basically, there's there's tumult, there's issues, there's, there's rise and fall. You know, this country's had 
usurpation problems back and forth, but the mortals eventually, um, they wane down, right? This is mortals being the government. They're the protesting kids in the streets, these teenagers, they get tired of them, they can't stop them, and then eventually these teenagers figure out how to just start hunting vampires. Why? Because the vampires were controlling the government, and these people protesting were listening to the government, and so the vampires took to the streets, used a little bit of power, and then these teens turned on them. Droves of teens just started hunting them during the day, and that made problems for them, they moved on. And I thought to myself, I know for a second I was up there with Nate, and we raved about how great Haiti was. That there was a lot of eye-opening moments in there. Stuff like the Semeti being an actual powerful clan that had been there for centuries. In Haiti, it's just you didn't recognize it because they were part of the folklore. They were part of voodoo and folklore. They beautifully tied in Baron Samedi uh, to what they had going on. And uh, that's, that was cool. And then you got to see how they were making armies of zombies. That they were keeping waiting for this great pivotal upheaval. This beautiful artwork in Beck and shows you this example of like an undead citadel that they might be marching from at any given moment. But it also laid the seeds for the formation of the Hikata. And they did it beautifully. Talking about how the Giovanni and the Pisanab were involved, or were involved in there. How they had the um, Semedi, you had the Sedites who were trying to get involved in that too. There was a whole war over this territory for obvious reasons. Because the mortals couldn't keep control over where they're at. This tumult made it to where they could battle and see what's going on. I mean, let's not forget, Ged fought his own child, which is Urzuli, for control over the Voodoo followers that were there. Neither one of them believed in Vodun, but they also were Sedites. And they were trying to milk that cult to have that go, and it goes tits up. Mm. And they couldn't possibly keep it there. And the Semedi were looking to flush everybody out because that's their island, Jack. And I'm like, great. So if Haiti <clears throat> just magically has these super teens that show up, and it's like, unless they're the Teen Titans, I don't know. I mean, I imagine Robin can lay down some vampire whoopdown. But unless they're just going to show up and they're like, okay, cool, great, now we're going to overthrow them. By the way, where are these teens in the book? Where's the super organization in this in this second Inquisition book to tell you how they use all this awesome stuff? Because here, even still, with the story they put there, you can put how some teens thought of some grassroots, vampire-hunting, skilled stuff that they were utilizing, um, you know, the, the, sort of that desperation usage from being pushed to the brink and you don't have a choice. Like, Haiti would have to be mm -hmm. the island that is well aware vampires are real and they're out there and they will enslave you if you don't revolt. And if I saw that in this section... I wouldn't bat an eye because nobody controls anything when they're all battling to just be free. No, like the this book does talk about the I think they call them the the farm squads, something like that. That is the that is the lower that's your frog brothers, right? Those are your your uh, your blue collar workers that have like the the stake lathe in the back uh, garage, and they they're going to they're going to protect their town, right? Those are the stories of like of a hunter. I am much more interested in now. To be fair, this book did like hit some things that I like a lot. I'm a huge ghost in the shell fan you start throwing out some alphabet organizations that are like task force valkyrie like i'm pretty <clears> behind <throat> it right but i feel like this book kind of lied to us a bit with that quote you said earlier second inquisition is a phenomenon not an organized thing most of this mm -hmm. book is talking about those the five torches is what they call them right u.s britain vatican brazil russia all working together these are the government organizations I am much more interested in the those grassroots that I already talked about, and maybe we're going to see more of that in the Hunter <coughs> Player book that's coming out. Um, I'm, Let me, uh, you know, Hunter Player's book. I get that. Let's talk about. You're going to bring it up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring it up. You mentioned already a torch. 
and we're gonna throw Russia out there. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring this up. I'm uh, I've been through the ringer with heartfelt times, and we're artists that write to be the social climate of the time and figuring out what's going on. There's going to be a lot of flack for things that are in this book that people didn't care about. Mm-hmm. Right. Case in point. If in Ukraine they can steal a tank and you're a farmer, don't tell me how badass your Gru division is in stopping vampires. I'm just saying. I'm not saying Spetsnaz sucks. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, where's this story lie? Like, somewhere in the middle. If you you got to tell and update, like, what's really going on with the functioning of your <clears throat> fictitious Russia to wage war on vampires and how. And I feel we've ignored that long enough. They had the Army of Night, they had Baba Yaga, there was me there, mm-hmm. right? There were real dragons that were released mm-hmm. there. You want to call it wonk, whatever you want, I'm all for it. But how hard is it to write that we're not telling you the story of how we're writing them out, but we're telling you the aftermath that at least affected the environment, and they're aware of what went on? But th- in other words, it would make a lot of sense. And all they had to do was spend time running a page or two that said, in the wake of what happened, Russia spends resources devoted to figuring out how to stop that from happening. And they knew they were corrupt from on top. And they knew they had a socialist group of Bruja that came through press ganging communism and killing people in the name of their own wants and likes and all that, but how they got rid of them. Right? An organization that came through and tricked them and outwitted them, and it took time, and it took forever, and it finally got done, and they're too ahead to where they're still fighting a faction of them, but they're now up top. But these guys knew they had to keep it secret because the Russian people couldn't take any more shock value after the darkness they've already lived through. And, and where's that at? You have an army of undead stomping around and, and BSDs and worse, and evil Nosferatu by the droves, living in barrows and feasting on entire towns. Where is that story backing up how the Russian people survived, and how they came out of it ahead, and how that government maintained its power and status as a superpower to maintain that? And if you're going to say, ignore all that, because we don't acknowledge that in V5, then put it in the book. Put it in the books. So we go. Oh, okay. You didn't care to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, cool. Authors, I understand that. We'll move on. And that's. But when we're all that approach isn't even anything new. Like in the V twenty book, right? Like it talks about there are several like meta plot changes that happened like in previous editions. You can have the gangrels part of the Camarilla in your game though, or throw that out. Right? We've written it so that it can be either way. I so like having something like that that's even like an OOC declaration. That's that's great. You know, I have to agree with that. Because I, I have to agree with it because there's too many things that sometimes we as readers take for granted. You know, and it's up to even myself now. It just isn't until like I forgot about that whole clause in V20 that made it cool so that anyone could play. We presented all of this so that you could play it in any which way, fashion you want to. And you're right, Bob. If it would have been presented, you know, in that particular way where give us the aftermath or give us this is the jumping point of where we want you to start. It helps bridge the gap between. All right. Those of you who came in from the old era. You know what's going on, but this is what we're going to move forward with. So bear with us because you know what you're signing up for. It's like me going to the mosh pit. I know I'm going to get thrown around. So don't step into the mosh pit if you don't want to, or at least stay on the sidelines. But at least you know what you're walking into. And and for me, there's a lot of effort I put into that finally we're going to get story behind who makes the hunters what they are. There's a lot of clans that hint that they had a hand in working with the Inquisition, Torador definitely had a hand in it. The Venture were quiet about their hand in it, but thought they molded it. They, they basically were warring with the Lasombra, who were up in the church, right? That's where they had and all that stuff. Over centuries, you can see how they can plant people and have that organization be molded to a point. But I was always looking for those 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 badasses that were, were fighting. They're, they're warriors of God. 
they're not going to settle for that and they're looking to root that out and they would that's almost cyclical meaning that i don't see how either side fully wins that war right vampires are just too good they can outlive their enemy immortals especially and uh you, you can just do that and there are so many ways you can corrupt someone with the idea of prospect of immortality or wealth that's been proven time and again it's a more enriching story if it's an enemy that you leave to the storyteller to decide how that falls down in their game. That's what I think you guys are talking about. Like, when you talk about the Gangrel staying or leaving, that's an event that could say it's up to you. Gangrel are a cool clan. If you like them, keep them. If you don't, get rid of them. But ultimately, it doesn't change the face of the canon. However, Drone Strike mm-hmm. and the Shemir Kachantri, you could say don't do that. You're no longer playing the same game. Because every event that happens in V5 builds up to tell a story, which is getting to the Gehenna War. Mm-hmm. Right, which is what we're told where it goes. So you can't start mixing and matching and saying, hey, if you don't like it, continue to buy what we're putting out and just make it what you want to do. Well, it's weird that that keeps being the answer for it. I get that it's the reason you, we could all do it, but at some point, what I'm hearing is just make up your own game then. Mm-hmm. Right? Just just have your own game. And that's not what I'm putting money down for. It's not what we pod for. That's not what you're putting money down for. Somewhere out there, there's going to be somebody who wants to put their heart into making a game that's based on the stuff we already own, that they've already printed and released and we've endorsed, that tells a story that continues to at least... It doesn't have to be neutral, but it has to be a point where you're like, oh, okay, I get that. Not easily debunked by a freaking ritual. I mean, it really irritates me, because to me, it's lazy reading. Did you not research your own thing? And there were other ways you could do to, 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 to conquer it. That's just my opinion. Now, even though that's just my opinion, it's an opinion I know is echoed mm-hmm. across a lot of people. It's one of the reasons a lot of people didn't go to V5 was reading things like that. Because you told fans of Tremere, ah, actually, your clan's pretty weak. They were defeated by, you know, the internet. So, you know, see you later. Deuces. You know, oh, the Nosferatu clan. Ah, they were defeated by, you know, the internet. Deuces. It, what? The Nos weren't hunted, but, you know, da, 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 we'll get to that. But, let me get to some, uh, Good stuff in here, right? Mm-hmm. I hate I hate to deposit on there too. Like where I'm also being very passionate about it. I'm not saying there's not good stuff. So I want to start with the Russian stuff because mm-hmm. that's where I was, right? They're they're badasses in here that they point out how they train and what they do. And one of the interesting things they do to kind of be a throw towards what goes on is that these guys are masters of disinformation. Mm-hmm. That's what they give them. Makes sense. That's the tie-in to the real world that they're going to. And, and I imagine this is so they didn't go too far to offend anybody in Russia, because we all know they'll have a show and then fire somebody else who didn't deserve to get fired, is what would happen if they go too far, so they got to watch that line, right? So, here it is. Russia has disinformation and all their shock troops. They all know how to do it. And uh, that's it. And they move on from there, right? That's their PSYOP specialist <laughs> that can get loaned out to a group, and they move on. Now, you may not understand why they have a PSYOPs group at all. We'll make this really fast. What's interesting about the Second Inquisition with the Five Torches is that any event that's going on in your game is not supposed to be Masquerade gets broke once instantly. Hunters deploy and are screwed unless you're running that game. Mm-hmm. That's where they get those farm teams Brentron's talking about. They get notice of you first. If they can't handle you, the info that gets leaked from them goes on up and then you'll start having a badass team put together that's going to come look for you. And then these ghost squads will come find you out of nowhere. Now... I'm going to tell you that in here they do have Zmi that are mentioned, but they have something called the Zmi Protocol. Mm-hmm. Now, they call it Unit 242 and their special purpose. And uh, this is out of Russia again. And what they talk about these guys do is they basically, they find themselves imbued with many of the capabilities of a vampire with only a few of their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. That's pretty cool, right? Aren't we supposed to kill these guys? Vampires? Yeah. Of course we well, do. Well, what do they mean by imbued? 
a lot of lot of definitions and interpretation you get from imbued, right? You're empowered. Are these mm-hmm. guys being augmented to be vampire s? Or do you mean these guys are actively using the thin bloods that they're actively using? <laughs> what does it mean? I was about to say. <laughs> or do you mean they're right? actively using the thin bloods that they're actively using? <laughs> uh, you, you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, is that is that what they do? Yes, yes it is. That's why there's. I mean, the camera isn't using them. Why not give them to the mortals? They'll, they'll figure it out. This is me protocol thin blood. That's what goes on, and that's how it is. Uh, but that being said, gentlemen, I have to turn over the torch. So, basically, what we got here is, just to rehash it, folks, let me just catch it back up here. We took a momentary break here uh, for necessary means. Uh, Brent Tron had to leave early, and uh, that hasn't happened. So, we're recovering here from, from that point. So, we're going to recap where we were, and we're going to continue on. Where we left off is that we were talking about the Zmi protocol uh, for the group, right? This is the Russian um, hunters uh, that they have down here specific. Now... Um, what we were saying was that Unit 242 is interesting because they seem like a hypocrisy. The fact is that they've decided that they're going to, well, they're going to recruit Thinbloods. You know, use vampires for it. Turn people into vampires, or as, as they believe as close to vampires as the real thing to enable and help them, you know, do what they do, which is kill other vampires. Now, as creative as that might be, it, it speaks of a deep, deep, connected governmental representation that, uh, that, that I don't feel really is there. Um, that doesn't make sense that it is. Now, this is going to sound pretty... Say what you want. You're going to think, oh man, it's hypocritical. What did you do? Write the books? In a way, I think we all did. I think we all bought the material and, and read it and saw what it is. And um, We were making the comment you know, just uh, not too long ago here that you know what happened to Baba Yaga, the Army of the Night, all that other stuff. We know Baba Yaga is dead and we know there's a barrel of all sorts of stuff found of Nosferatu dead and whatnot. But these things have ramifications, they have effects. And where's the story of the government going in and finding it? And that long process we all know it takes them to figure out what to do about that information and what it even means. And that's necessary because I think the Arcanum could have been a bigger thing. right? The Arcanum could have been the people that you called in to come investigate these sites and try to maybe bridge that gap of misdirection to the mortals knowing if mortals absolutely knew that the world of darkness was real, why wouldn't you do what you what you expect coming? I'm going to ask you that here in a second, mm-hmm. DJ. We'll break that down. Point is, right now we're looking at the different organizations of fun that they have here, and, and the Russian Special Forces definitely ranks up there. Um, that said, DJ, are you familiar or do you recall the heartbeat algorithm that they have here in this book? I don't offhand. Uh, the heartbeat algorithm that was originally... Okay. Um, no, I don't. I mean, I, I'm blanking out here. Go ahead, let me know again. So the heartbeat algorithm is basically um, what I like to call the U.S. intelligence community's love child, right? It's supposed to be this this secret organization program of information that is taking in all this uh, information from various little devices to help track and figure out where these vampire cells are. Um, case in point, they mentioned GPS trackers, photo sharing sites, Wi-Fi doorbell mm. cameras. A Wi-Fi doorbell camera, you got it right. Police stingray collections, fitness app biometric data, smartphone cameras, and facial recognition, recognition software are all Heartbeat's unwitting accomplices in a never-ending hunt for blank body. So what are they saying? Basically, this data is correlated and taken into a big, uh, a big uh, program or structure or what have you, probably a combination thereof. And what happens is that there's an algorithm they're finding. 
You know, it's an intelligence community flowchart of an, of algorithms that help them find blank body. Now, that's all fancy words about what what they're really doing here, which is an intelligence scheme in a way to locate vampires using just information. They're not looking for where dead bodies are in a neighborhood specifically. They're not looking for someone with blood on the collar or on their lips anymore. They're able to figure out, and I made the joke, but they're being very literal here, that somebody who, uh, in a neighborhood, let, let's say there's a neighborhood and it's well-to-do and everyone commonly has Fitbits. Right, I remember this right? now. That's a common thing. I myself have a Fitbit, right? They're running around, they got biometric data going to and fro. Fitbit's not a super secretive group that a government agency could crack, Right? And so once they crack that information, you're looking at who all has Fitbits. Well, if you're a vampire who's modern and hip and you're well-to-do, you might have one. How come you never have biometric data? Now, that won't flag you immediately, but it'll be information they're taking in that some people wearing these devices are tracking a hell of a lot of um, steps in a right. given day. No other info. They're only active at night. How about a pitifully low heartbeat? Especially for heartbeat trackers included in there. And that's, that's all possibilities, right? That's just off that. Let alone what alarms get set off weirdly or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, they leave you to understand spooky words, intelligence group, and, you know, they call it the heartbeat mm -hmm. initiative type thing. Mm -hmm. And there you go. You have it to where they can find you, right? Now, you may think destroying street cameras, using burner phones, disguising your features and all that stuff will help you against that, but the heartbeat beats that as well. Because it's identifying the pattern that you have, that these creatures have, that they are not aware of, that help them identify and track, of course, blank body behavior. Now, something I never thought of. Call me what you want. You've heard me say a lot, expert, whatever. I never thought about a vampire not having a grocery list associated with their with their um, their assets as being something you go, hey, that's a vampire. How so? But when you hear a bit... When, when you hear no think about it when you hear about it if you were a government agency and you're able to look that type of minutia right, right, right. information up you wouldn't think that's big of a deal DJ I know you if somebody said you know hey Chris you know someone's going to look to see your, your history of buying mm. things for food you know you're going to be like sure <laughs> <laughs> have fun what are they going to learn you're not going to think anything of it but what it amazed you to learn that from them studying what you bought they know the fuel that's going in your body and they understand they could probably predict and begin predicting type of heart disease or um, why you're certain things right. certain things are shutting down your body or certain sicknesses mm -hmm. you might have in the future. There there are organizations who are beginning to do that, if not do that now. So it's along that same pathing. It's almost it's it's scientific completely. It's observation absolutely. But in a world of darkness sense, as it applies now to V five, this is one of the cool things they do that I'm hundred percent on board with. Right? It's saying that there's an intelligence group who has an algorithm they figured out that helps them find vampires, but is not an absolute. But it definitely provides that necessary paranoia for everybody in-game. Because it's not saying, here's the stats and metrics to say that if your players mess up, you know, think of it as five stars, mm -hmm. right, of Grand Theft Auto. If your players mess up, instead of one star, they get three. Heartbeat algorithm. We're watching you. Right? Instead of it saying that, it's saying that your, your people are smarter than Barney Fife and the Goof Troop Patrol out checking tickets, right? They're, they're not just cops out there. They're now relying on information from patterns you have. If you've been getting rid of bodies the same way, or even if you start developing a pattern of changing it up, this is all data. This is all data is collected. 
And so the answer is to live off the grid if you don't want to be part of this initiative. It's the best way to do it. So hiding amongst mortals is really what they're saying. If we cut through the bullshit, they're saying the heartbeat algorithm makes it to where hiding amongst mortals is almost the worst thing you can do compared to living remotely. Right? It's almost better to live outside of a city. You maraud in and hunt the mortals you can and then leave is your best strategy. I mean, never stay in the area. You know, you're always on the go. And uh, that's because then they have a hard time tracking you. No day rate if you don't know where I sleep. It's weird. Uh, the reason why I also think it's a little weird, I, I, I do agree that it's very effective, but it's something that was never touched upon in previous editions up until now because we're, we're obviously going through the second Inquisition phenomenon, right? And one of the things that we do take for granted, especially as vampires, are we think, and I'm not sure if that's a, the false sense of security of like, oh, we're vampires. We should be able to over-survive everything. So yeah, go ahead. You, you run away, I let this person go, what do you mean you let her run? Yeah, no, 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 she's, she'll be fine. She won't remember in the morning or anything like that, right? And we just dismiss it because, you know, our characters are so arrogant to think otherwise. And now in this version of E5, I think this is, you know, one of those few nuggets of, like, don't ignore this aspect of the game, right? Because it, it mentions that even in the core book that the second Inquisition or this aspect of the game is a very, very real threat. But everyone dismisses it originally. Everyone wants to hold their Grand Elysiums everywhere else. They want to hold their Parslons in Grand Locations. And I think in a couple of resource books that we just read recently, they mentioned that all these meetings are now clandestine. You know, even our game that we ran recently, it's like we're having a, a boardroom meeting in a, in a butcher factory because you can't have it out there anymore. And stuff like this is the scary things. Like, if elders knew, like, this is happening, or even your anarchs knew this is happening... How much more scarier would it be in your game to be like, well, burn it all. We can't be on phones. Now you give it a reason. Because everyone's like, ah, forget it. We're on phones. It doesn't matter. Even our easy conversations are going to go through. If, if I could tell you why in a V5 game I don't sweat players for this information, is because this book actually tells you. It's And I believe in it. I believe in it before, mm -hmm. obviously, this book came out. And I obviously believe in it even more now. I feel vindicated. Um, and I like how they tightened up the way I present this stuff, too. Um, smartly, they said that you wouldn't understand anything in this right. book as a vampire. You wouldn't even know most of this is going on. So when you're thinking that um, I fed on that lone person in the club and I licked the wound and they're dead and exsanguinated and it doesn't mean anything because it's going to look like they died of a heart attack, well, I'm going to let you know it does matter. There are organizations who watch for just that sort of thing. And then they bring it in and they figure it out. It doesn't matter if nobody can identify you. It doesn't matter if you're an obfuscate or not they're able to trace the mm -hmm. evidence left behind. If you didn't burn the building down, you left evidence. And that's that's how it goes. Well, why is it like that? Because they're adding an element, which we'll get to. This is building on a, on a case I'm going to present to you mm -hmm. here in a minute, DJ, um, where they're saying, all right, just because you're a vampire and you're living amongst mortals doesn't mean you're untraceable. But what I like to think is that uh, why do we like horror in the first place? We like mm -hmm. the unknown, don't we? We enjoy it when the mystery plays out slow, when we can't understand it fully, but we have our theories. Boy, do we players love to theory craft what, what this must mean right. and what it must be, right? We love that more than anything, but you know why? It's because when we find out exactly what it is, then we're all like, oh, I was so close, or oh, I was wrong. And it's like you're playing a game mm -hmm. within a game. And that's kind of what this what these books are supposed to be doing for us. The real reason why I think people are upset it's because you can't guess where the game's going. And that there's always this big mystery and there's always a suck along. And then when the big reveal comes there, there's no big reveal. It's you decide what it is. And you're sitting there going, UMFR, I did decide what it is with my friends at home. 
and we're just trying to see who was right. And now you're saying, well, anybody can be right. What are we playing? A, it, what are you doing? Right? And that's why it tastes so bitter in your mouth when you hear that. Um, is it bad that that's going on? It's not. What I like to call is a company protecting its future endeavors, right? Because if one author wrote and it didn't work, now you're not backing that author. That author threw in a neutral out for the next author that writes in the material, so on and so forth. And where that's interesting, and I'm, I'm glad they think that's good for them, not really. Not really, because they should have took a lesson from Onyx Path with this book. And if you're going to do that, you need to write it in the way that they did back at Shahad Diary. I'm going back to that. Because the beautiful thing that you do there is that instead of you saying you make up what happened, they give you four, five, six, sometimes eight different things that could come about from the information they gave you in every chapter. Like, this is what we're saying that went on, and it ties to everything that makes sense. And depending on your chronicle, here's a bunch of ways this could go. Now you can pick the path for your story, or even play the story again and try a different path out. That made it to where you honored the fans. That made it to where the future felt good. That no matter where it went, we could we could, we could play along. Like a big board game, if you look at it that way. Almost from first edition on, you can do that until you get to V5, where it starts getting very compartmentalized, mm. right? And uh, why, do I, why does this attach at all to what I'm talking about, the 100? Well, quite frankly, when you're looking at the fact that mystery is the point I was making, it sometimes helps you to slow play it and, and keep your cards close to your chest. Other times, or actually, I'll just say it, that, that process only works when there's a reveal and you stand somewhere. You have to stand somewhere so that your fans can stand with you. And when you don't, well, you, you get people with mixed feelings that aren't necessarily to the good. And you leave money on the table, as we saw with the Sabat book. Should have been a player's guide. You went with an antagonist book. Someone ran, and it was even the author of it, who ran and made a player's guide for everybody roughshod. And I, even I was like, wow, that's shocking. That's that's who's running what, right? Now, why is that? There's player confidentiality and agreement that when you're going to get a Hunter book or a Sabat book or whatever antagonist book they're going to give you, you can clearly agree and see across all the lines how this fits into your world of darkness. Now, I'm going to ask you, DJ, do you feel players, with that heartbeat algorithm, with the way they, they're going to identify people and find them, that technology should surpass vampires so far? And to make that clear, your players are going to sit down at the table. Do you think it's unfair that you're not going to tell them that, hey, there are organizations that can figure out everything you do, no matter what you do? so be careful when you start playing games. Do you feel you should tell them that, or should you not say anything and just hit them with that, that obstacle as it comes up? I think in uh, in the line of horror that we were just speaking, it's something that comes up. Because it's for you to live in fear every single aspect of the game, it's not going to be fun for everyone. I, I, don't, I don't think mm -hmm. it can be fun for everyone. Right, I don't think most people. Let's be real, DJ. You and me are typical crowd pleasers. Let's not be crowd pleasers. I'm gonna yep. say, I'm gonna speak plain. You take the stance you will, but to say it plain, I don't mm -hmm. think that's fun. I don't think it's fun to sit down and say, "Hey, no matter what you do, player, you're gonna get caught." So best of luck. Right, because V5, you play the youth. That's already not fair. Right, if it were, you can play with more points. Your storyteller makes a call, but the game's all geared to where you're the youth. You're thin-blooded, or you're you're ancel at best. And that's the new elder, and that that's it. That's what we want to do. So, that's my take on it. Do you feel the same, or do you think do you see that as different? I feel, uh, I feel the same because I think that so many things are already stacked up against you, 
and it only makes having the second inquisition on your back only makes it feel that much more claustrophobic if that's a if that's a way of thinking about it because not only do i have to worry about the others i have to please the vacuums of power me trying to come up uh the game was already geared towards more people playing anarchs than camarillo in the days you are because of the way that's been written recently and now on top of that i can't act the way i want to because obviously the second inquisition is there so where's my win Right is and usually before it's a, it's a pyrrhic victory, right? And any any time you you got out of a bad situation, it, that's the glory of it, right? Oh man, our team made it through. We we have our domain, whatever the, the game is, but it feels that much more like we did it. Great, what happened? Well, you left the the stove on. What does it mean? The the pilot's on. Oh shit, the house, the people inside of it, and everything else. And and it only after the first reveal, right? I, I mean, it'll probably be interesting the first time where you're like, okay, now we know the second position. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But now that you put it in their heads, imagine the straight paranoia. Like, oh, Tommy's got to get that phone out of the goddamn hand. Don't you touch that. You stay away from it. You're going <laughs> underground. You write a letter. You send a courier. You do this. You do that. And it, it might change the, the entire dynamic of the game. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it, it's so weird. Knowledge. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge, right? And once you know that information, you can't go back to not knowing anymore. So to to get some questions out here that I that kind of thought of as yeah. we're we're just going through this, do you feel like a like a vampire knowing there is a stealthier, better armed, more powerful mortal group out there? Is that do you feel that you can portray a vampire knowing that that stealthier, better armed mortal groups are out there? That's what I meant to say. I'd be hard pressed to do so. Can I do it? And maybe as an anarch, but even then, it's it's a soul crushing, like. Why am I existing in the fashion that I am? It's like reversing who's right. the predator, who's the prey. Right. right? And now, here's here's my problem with that. Vampire has always been a power fantasy. The gothic lord of the castle, or the super chic guy who's super cool up on front. We're the LA by night crew, and we can't be stopped. We're slick, we're awesome, everybody famous, you know. All that other stuff. I'm not jealous or hating on them, just to say... That's common feel for everybody. Every player, even me, anybody who plays this game is looking to play a vampire, right? I'm a vampire. Oh, I got a beast. Oh, you know, I'm not bound by mortal law, but if I go to excess, I can be the architect of mm -hmm. my own destruction. That is where the mortals belong, that if I go too far, they will clip me if my own does not. That's the power fantasy. But also, we can agree Dracula was a dumbass that got hunted for violating the masquerade over mm -hmm. and out right it's still cool it's a great tragic story but unless we're all dracula and we all have a setup just like dracula to have to be chasing love that's what everybody forgets about that he gets caught because he's chasing love otherwise he's a sweet setup if you cut uh, mina out of that story you know what dracula was doing he was shipping his boxes to london so he had a new place to drain literally drain the populace and no one would have been the wiser he'd have been totally cool with harker Whitney cared that he came out and did what he did, would have sent him on his way, and boom, he would have been in London eating people and learning again. The monster continues, but that's not a good enough story. Every story needs drama. Every monster needs a weakness. That was his. Now, when we play vampires players, we reserve the right to make our own weakness of character. Typically, it's our play style. We're too egotistical. We're too out there. Someone's going to get us. We play too much reserve someone's eventually going to get us usually a vampire at that point is a stepping stone or involved in their machinations that's going to chew us up and spit us out if we get too violent the mortals will get us right that's a fear we can have and so on and so forth and that's 
that's kind of the draw of playing a vampire, really. It's cool to play a character and see where a storyteller thinks you either slipped up or where you couldn't. It's always a chase. You're immortal, but you're living through the dramatic point of your vampire's existence. And so that's totally cool. But knowing that there's super stealth ninja technology ma uh, masters out there who are going to push a button and can kill me playing a, with an Xbox controller and a drone, eh. You know what I mean? That's the taste I get in my mouth. It's like, oh, really? Okay. Well, all right. Let me take this. If I take technology of five, does that spare me? You know what I mean? Like, how do I avoid this, really? And you can get that way. However, I challenge people not to. I want to remember even with that comment, even with all the comments I have on here, I riff on product when I feel that I'm let down. When I'm disappointed, and I was disappointed by this book, that's all it is. It doesn't mean it's garbage. doesn't mean it can't be useful. doesn't mean it can even right. be enjoyed. It's just, oh, man, I hope. Right, I hoped and I had once in this book that I'm not seeing. Um, to to carry this on, DJ, because you're not. Off I was the hook about to say because I want to piggyback off of it as well. So far from what we spoke about, and considering what you just mentioned, this was vastly different than what the Sabat book was presented, right? Because that too was an antagonist book, but we had a lot more fluff given to us that way, and um, even then, yeah. it just you know this just goes to show where the mindset was when that book may or may not have been written, where they gave us enough fruit. And, and like enough nuggets so that we could have created characters even without you know the supplementary book that was created on the side we could have been like okay we see where this came from and when you and I were reading it we're like okay that just once again vindicates what we would have thought about the Sabbat going the route that they did and um, you know the, the data that was in there in terms of the crunch was just flavorful enough to be like okay if this is the type of book you're giving us an idea for there's your templates this on the other hand feels quite the opposite in fact a healthy percentage of this book is like a, a bestiary Right, it's all the templated amounts, and now I feel like okay, this is an antagonist book because all this is, is just your enemies, straight templated enemies. I know what a bestiary is, and just to help you out there, DJ, a bestiary is basically a common tabletop uh, systems will have like a hand a handful of stats and pictures of monsters that you can use uh, to go to build for your players to encounter and defeat or get challenged mm -hmm. by or whatever the situation. And they're typically bland, a little boring. They, you know, you'll get a little stat about how they might act and behave, and that's enough for a storyteller. But they do that to wet the storyteller's whistle so they can use right, them however right, right. they choose to. And I agree. That's the strategy here with these hunters. Use them as you need to use them. But that wasn't what you right. were looking for. You're right. We were looking for more backdrop right. as to how this all went down, especially like Vienna. Let, let's take a look at what we were looking for. It's in this book still. I'm going to help you guys follow up with it. You're going to hate me I'm doing this, right? Because I'm spending equal time. I said that. I'm going to do reviews now where it's like, here's how I feel, but here's the recovery. Here's the recovery. The Society of Leopold is the recovery of this yes. book. In its entirety. The Society of Leopold is the heart of the Inquisition. It's it's that simple. They say it here. Um, and more specifically, the Vatican, I should say that. Let me back that up. The Vatican is the heart of the Inquisition. The Society of Leopold plays a big part in it, as do others. But they have something in here they're introducing called the entity, La Entita, right? Um, or La Entita, or however you pronounce it. But I think it's La Entity, mm -hmm. La Entita, right? Um, the point of it is that it's a minor coalition inside inside the Vatican that decides the fate of how they're going to deploy their, their minions, as it were. These super special holy warriors against vampires. Now, they fancy warriors to be kind of made like knights. That's that I found very interesting. So 
the Holy See can't be attached to groups of people hunting down and killing others. That's bad for the Vatican, right? And they know that, but they also acknowledge they got to destroy these elements. So La Antita knows it's the heart of the Second Inquisition, so what they do is they develop these organizations to serve that function. So you get the uh, Society of Leopold now. You get the ESOG, or ESOG, which stands for, like, I think it's Entity, Soldier, right. Super People, um, that serve directly with them. And an interesting way of rolling them out, right? The cool part about rolling them out is that the La Antita have an actual attache that they'll lend to hunter group. So if you see that cool um, sword-like regalia with weird firebrand thing that they commonly use in the artwork, that's probably an attache mm-hmm. that was given. Or it's a direct Gladius Day member, depending on how, how hot that, that uh, scenario is. And why I like this, this entire book should have got rid of everything but La Antita and uh, the, uh, the Vatican. Why? You ain't never heard of the Vatican stepping forward this hardcore in hunter mm-hmm. groups yet. And to me, this says this is exactly the evolution of all the correlated data. The Vatican knows how to wage secret wars. The Vatican knows how to have... You ever heard of the Inquisition? I mean, they have a method of hunting down people on the sly, and only history will tell of whether they're villains or the heroes of the tale for doing so. And that's dope. That's tons of history. That's tons of things you can introduce and boy, do they have it, right? Let me get to it for you. Let me let me see if I could sweeten your your book mm-hmm. here, DJ. Um, I know you you I know you read it, but I want to bring you back to it because that love got to be there. They refer to the uh, hybrid Gladius Day with the right. with the Isak soldiers as basically being modern Praetorian. Do you know why that gets me excited? Wow. What's a Praetorian? The guard, the special guard. It, 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 it yeah. relates to Rome, doesn't it? And if it relates to Rome, what have I been saying? I've been saying there's like, I swear to you, that there's some control here that we don't know about. That someone smart has a hold of an organization inside of all this hunter madness that's using it to steer what they want to do. And I sat there and I said, well, I said Vitell. I had the wrong Lysandra Methuselah. Think about it. Now, Lysandra had a chill. What was his first chill? Um... Montano, I'm not mistaken, correct? It was Montano. Now remember, if I'm correct, Montano had some weird vision of a cross in the sky once upon a time. Remember going yep, through yep, the Dark yep. Ages material and they said that maybe he did and maybe he didn't? And that he had an idea of what they were going to do, but he didn't say anything. As if Lasabra himself had maybe gave him an order that nobody knew about. I want you to advance that knowledge. Now you got a group calling itself La Antita. It's using right. Spanish for that reference. And it's called The Entity. And they're talking about the fact that these guys, though they're the in crowd, it kind of hints that that came from somewhere. That someone's still controlling them from afar. You know who can pull that off? Montano. Montano can do that easily and smoothly. And to what effect, you may ask? It's going around to systematically destroy all vampires. Get rid of them all. If one thing has been proven of these antediluvians, they don't like vampire descendants. not at all. They don't... They don't... They don't like a sea of vampires. They don't want them nowhere. They don't want them all around. So if we laid a trap, then who who else but an immortal, and especially Methuselah or Lore, could think of a long-range plan to span centuries to slowly destroy those vampires who you weren't in proud, proud of or weren't impressed of? Or, I like to think of it in a pragmatic fashion, in my La Sombra <laughs> crazed tinfoil hat fantasy, what it is is that they're trying to prove that if you're going to be a vampire, you have to be the best of them in this new world regime. 
an old. So we're back to the Sajanas thing of either right? you're cut or you're not cut for this whole thing. And I'm not saying it's Sajanas. Right. I'm saying it's Montano. It makes more sense. It started with the Lasombra trying and successfully controlling the church and infiltrating. We never heard of them being thrown out of it. We heard of all sorts of crazy cults coming up from it and all everything else, but the Lasombra endure, if anything. The Lasombra betrayed the Sabbat. Okay. That's that's there. And but they're trying to join the Camarilla. Alright, that's some of them. And we know Tally's backing Sejanus, right? You don't hear nothing of Montana. Whether he beckoned dead or went there or nothing. It's just nothing. It's quiet. You know why? That's how a mystery works. That's the long game. See what I'm saying? That's how you play it. If there's a final dance at the end of what's going on, I enjoy thoroughly the fact that there's little clips and tidbits that could be seeding in here that could lead to that. Now, if we back up what we uh, what we did when we interviewed um, mm-hmm. Martin Erickson, that's pretty much how they operate. That's any group. You know, you spitball, you have this huge idea, see what sticks out, what feels good for the next book, so on and so forth. I like that it does that, so I have hope. I'm hopeful that that's what's going on here. That's not my only evidence. You want more, it's on your face. I got more. Right? You have the children of the Lazarus that are thrown in here, the sisters of St. Sebastian, the humble brothers of San Roca, the, the Leopoldites, the borders, but also, my boys, the Order of San Carlo. Now, why I like the Order of San Carlo so much is because they feel authentic. When you think hunters and you look these guys... I mentioned all those because those are mm. church-backed, right? That's like half a dozen church organizations designed to hunt down and kill the supernatural. And this entity thought of all that? That's because the entity's playing the game over centuries. That's what it's been doing. Of all of them, everyone else just figured it out. Everyone else just toured the dark web and figured out what a ghoul was and that ghoul spilled <laughs> beans, right? Um, however, the entity's been like, I've been in a game since the game was game. That's how this goes. I know what's going on. I have a, I have a book. You don't. And every person that's died and no one comes up and picks up where they left off because that's the order. Now, why is Order of San Carlos so near and dear to my heart? They have a death ceremony. Do you, is this ringing a bell to you? So that's from already involving the vampires, right? So, basically, um, I'm mixing two things. Oh, dang. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong thing. Um, Order of San Carlo I still like. That's because their use of incendiary devices in range. I forgot about it. I was like, which one am I thinking of? The wrong one. My bad, everybody. Um, the Order of San Carlo, they're the ones who use horn- uh, hunters the smart way. That's what I want you to focus on. I'll get back to my favorite in a second. Um, what they do is that they use daytime raids as a preferable tactic. They don't ever touch a vampire during the day. Yes. Does that make sense to you? Uh, and Except in a day, I mean. Now, if they have to go in at night, what they do is they send in incendiary devices, flame flame devices, to provoke vampires into frenzy and then put them down at range with high-caliber rifles. Any corpses collected are usually staked and then burned unless one is identified as a high-value target mm-hmm. needed for questioning. This is an organized fear tactic that I think this is the hunter most players thought of when they thought of the Inquisition in the first place, the second mm-hmm. Inquisition, right? Right, because you're going to mess up, and they're not going to get you in mass with knightly swords and charge you. You're going to get hit by some super smart boss rounds and God knows what else, right? And that's that. They're cool for that because they fit that motif, but they also point out these guys are not the everyday. That's the part I like about this book. You may start by saying, okay, cool, here's all these organizations, but not all of them are needed. you got to tailor the the, prota- or, excuse me, the antagonist for your protagonist based on what they're doing. 
And that's the attention they're going to draw down. And really, that's what this book does give you and does a good job at that. When you get down to my favorite, though, the Friars to Velik, right. if I'm pronouncing that correct, um, that might ring more of a bell to you because I had the name wrong. But but these were the guys that, uh, well, they have they're no like fear whatsoever. <laughs> that's why, like, their death. <laughs> well, like, well when, they jo- right. when he joined the Order, DJ, exactly. this is what I meant to say. When he joined the Order... They take part in a ritual in which they are symbolically mm-hmm. killed and resurrected before the bones of the Order's first Grand Master. Mm-hmm. That's very creative. Right? That's something cool that speaks of an old knight-like order that everybody loves. Right? It's cool. Uh, but from that day on, they are dead men in service to the cause of the spiritual emancipation of humankind. In other words, they're spiritually brainwashed. Willingly. Right, you remember talking about what a uh, what a rite actually does, and we referred to the survival. Right, it's to uh, once again to break down to build back up. This is, I would I would argue, a good way to do it. If some, if I were to tell you, DJ, that demon or that uh, excuse me, that uh, vampires are real and they were killing mankind and they treat us like cattle, and we were both in a, in a Catholic church, but I told you there was a way that we could sign up for the real war that nobody knows about. And the real tragedy of the real war is that we don't know, right? Most of us don't know. There'd be a bunch of people sign up if they knew, but we can't tell everybody because not everybody mm-hmm. has the faith, right? That means I just told you exclusivity. Only you have the faith, which is why I'm having that talk with you. I feel you share the same faith I do. Yes. See that? And then the next bit I say is that that's as if God has chosen us for a calling. He's not making us walk this road. But if we can go forth, train hard and go and tell our priest who will tell the cardinal that maybe get us in this program they'll train us they'll prepare us for the hard path but our life is now for God this that's fanaticism right it's like a self propelled mm-hmm. fanaticism and when you go to meet the friars and they accept you and they bring you in and you do that order when you quote unquote ritualistically die to rise back up knowing that you're, you're dead men in the service of well, of the holy order of him, humankind, what are you capable of against Anything. vampires? Anything you set your mind to, or at least until your body breaks. Your soul is already purified and belongs to God. That means the acts that you have to do are the acts that need to get done. Right, th- and that's, that's why I said it was like, right? this, like there's a the suicide squad ain't coming back, right? You, that's why you already. You're, you already got your your soul's already on its way out. You're you're good with JC as far as we're concerned. But you have one last thing to do while you're on Earth. You know what that is? Wipe out the supernatural and or the vampires. And I think that you're right. And it's it's well written because it gives you an idea. This is where I like stories like this. Right. This is once again the redeeming stuff because it just goes to show that vampires aren't the only bad guys. Fanaticism in any way as it's written, like you're doing this for God. Great. We're taking out Antiluvians. Great. And it doesn't change. All it does is, what what are you fighting for? And it's interesting. You ever you ever notice that? That people don't think of vampires as bad guys? Mm-hmm. Don't but I'm the find protagonist. That, I gotta be good. It's, you're not. You suck blood. You're immortal. You're an <laughs> asshole. You're just, <laughs> you, you are. If you're undead, that's what you are. That's all you're ever gonna be. Or walk into the sun, your choice. Either way, good choices didn't make you a vampire. Yes. We can agree to that. Um, sometimes you didn't have a choice, but now faced with what you are, selfish continuing of your existence, or do you walk into that good light? And that's that's the thing. 
Now, what's cool about these guys, their their namesake, I should say, why I like them. They're the Lazarine Witch Hunters. So cool. Right? That's a, that's a thing they hunt down and they slap down here. Now, why are they cool? Um, honestly, they're the guys who are on the front line. <laughs> I like the fact that they're the ones most likely uh, to use a flamethrower. Right? <laughs> With a flamethrower, not true faith, but a flamethrower, a Bible, a cross, and a night watchman short sword. Which, if you're wondering what that is, it's a clever way to take a nightstick have a unique handle to it because the nightstick is hollow. It's the sheath for the short sword that's inside. And I won't say that they exist because I didn't find them on the internet, but you can definitely see where they got the idea of it. Right? It's uh, like a wakasashi is another good method, although those are a little longer than a nightstick. But they get shorter, and there are sites that have some cool weaponry that were created to do just that. Why not a nightstick? In that opinion, right? I just gave that up. Um, I like researching stuff like that to see it because sometimes description doesn't do it justice. But it made sense that they kind of have these objects. Now, um, something special to note about here, where I say true faith isn't a thing, it is interesting that their training makes them resistance to oblivion and obfuscate. Oh, no, stun I'm stunned as well. It, uh... I mean, when fire purifies, it also lights up, right? I guess... <laughs> But I guess that's also why they're the front linesmen anyway, because you kind of anticipate that's what they'd probably be seeing the most of the time. Or not seeing, right? So if they're trained to look for the unseen, um, that would probably be the reason why they have such a resistance to it. My friend, they're not just trained for the unseen. They can actually use their insight to pierce mm-hmm. Obfuscate. Right? Interesting. And I, I'll say it's not that particularly hard either, especially for the average player. You know, it's just the level of obfuscate they're using is the difficulty they're assigned to break it with eight dice. Now, that's getting into mechanics, but it also tells you that the story behind it is that these guys, man, are they prepared. These guys and girls, they are prepared to do what must be done. Now, this doesn't come without attachment. All these super organizations have something called pressure points. In this book, pressure points are complications, whether they be political or actual, that they go through to try to see certain things realized. What do I mean by that? All their perfect ideas and plans and operations have kinks in this link. And that's what this is about. They're not all cut and dry. And this actually makes it interesting. It speaks of a sort of shadowy operation within the Second Inquisition. That everybody has an agenda. However, as the Second Inquisition grows in power, it perverts mortal governments in service of a hidden agenda, much like the vampires themselves. And so we're back to that point. I guarantee you, I promise you, that the hunter organizations are not free of vampiric influence. It just right. seems that way. We've seen it as well with a couple of characters. Uh, the one that just drew my mind, even though we were thinking big, like in terms of Montano, we could think small in the form of Nathaniel Bordruff. And that guy just never gave up the fight against vampires either, and he has his pockets on with hunters as well. He has a couple of First Light members in his pockets that he uses. It's a great effect, by the way. Um... Speaking of Nathaniel Borodrov, Nosferatu, man. I do, I do have that <laughs> question. Um, I, d- I do. You know, I did. You saw the notes. I know, I know you did. It's uh, I put down here the Nosferatu are literally espionage itself, and not a whole lot's talked about that. But what did you feel about the fact that just because Shreknet went down, how did how how does the clan of information have Shreknet go down, but doesn't stay up to date nor have its fingers in the pies it needed to to have a contingency plan, like as part of an IT file? An IT life, excuse me. I don't think it's 
much in the same way going back to Vienna, I don't think it's possible that something like that would have just caught them blindsided. You know, it's like when you see that happening, like Shrek and Stan, all right, what about part two? Well, back to back to either setting up the server again, let the pigeons know it's time to go ahead and, and move on over to the next truck, go into the train cart that had the secondary server. Where are we moving to? Doesn't matter. We got to get the hell out of New York. Keep going through that. I, I, to be honest, like I said, I, I don't feel that the loss of Shreknet probably astound. It's more shock value than anything else. It went down. Good. The big information thing. But I also think when we were talking about the Nosferatu going down, they're still around, right? It's, it's not like they're, they're gone. And the reason I say that is because it makes me think about every bad situation that ever happened to Nosferatu. Wouldn't you think with Shreknet being pierced and them being the, 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 the primary caretakers that they would have been like a prime target for you know for many of these these hunters but they're not they're still around somehow they still live so it's proof to their resilience or they have stuff in the background that we haven't been exposed to yet the the thing here i really feel that being invisible rocks infiltration <laughs> right like if you're think about it you're in these think tanks inside of vehicles and you're sitting here staring at the camera but i feel it affects you while you're looking at camera they've established mm -hmm. that long since or now you can even fool you know machinery and whatnot makes it very hard to find you and whatever but in this book they set there's so many tools that make you feel like no matter what your players can be caught right you're encouraged to make up ways that this can happen and you know things like that and you know i'm going to warn people not to do that i'm going to say that i think i think in this case it should be if your player has a way to work around it work with them because it's been my experience that players are paranoid that they can get overstressed having to worry about a lot of things, and that's the big worry about this book, is that it's saying that you need to be worried because we're here, you know, almost repeatedly. That's bad, right? You don't want people to sit down and feel that they can't play. That's first and foremost. And it is up to the ST to see how that goes down. But also, we want to deliver the new hot book that's here. Because the way I heard it, we want to make a hunter book that everybody can use, that everybody can enjoy. It's not this book. Right? That's not, not as it is. This is a this is a book of red alert. Drones are possible and the ammo's coming and missiles are not right. off the table. And uh it's it's like, oh okay, shocker, all right, raining in a little bit. And when the Nosferatu are not the number one in espionage, it makes you wonder. Because I really feel that having in immortality coupled with the ability to be invisible and you collect information and you can use technology, how would any of this shock you? Right? How did you not see that? How did you not have the, have your finger right. on the pulse of what's going on? And it's because it fits an agenda. That's what it is. You can clearly see it with the second, in, or excuse me, the second masquerade being implemented with the hunters and everybody going to a cult like behavior and cult of the blood gods and cults are everywhere and things are making it to where the youth are running around in mass. Thin bloods are a thing now. All the photos in this book are of vampires being hunted in the streets in mass by Hunter. And you can tell that that's the game they, they're they trying to tell you that we're in. I've not yet felt that that was the, anything written or presented to no. us yet. Because the moment that happens, I haven't seen your it. game is effectively over. Um, and that's just realistically speaking, because it's hard to come out when you have five stars in GTA. Very, very hard. And this book only proves that that's the case. They give you every tool as a storyteller to say, this is how you would end your game. In fact, I think we were talking about that part where we get to the AC-130 and, like, the stealth bomber, that we don't have to put stats here. If it ever has to get deployed, your game is effectively over, 
right? That's that's the <laughs> exterminatus. The end. What they have cool artwork in here, and the one with the shades, the vampire in the building has the shades to pose for a photo. It looks like smiling with teeth, but the hunters are running behind them with guns, and clearly it's day <laughs> out. What are we doing? You know what I mean? And like you could say, oh, that's a thin blood working with them. Sure. Or they're about to get shot. I just feel that it's a... If you took a photo op with Shades, you're going to get shot, vampire. And that's the thing. But then it rolls with the other one where there's like an APC that's driving behind with smoke everywhere. And these feral vampires are just jumping around. And I'm like, what, what is this? Riffs? Right? Is what I thought of immediately. If you're not familiar with the Riffs game, it's an old game that... You look it up. But uh, they had a South American book that dealt with Vampire uh, Kingdom. Or there were just vampires everywhere and they got hurt by water. I thought that game was a joke too for that. Um, cool and unique in its representation of vampires, but it was the squirt gun kills a vampire mm-hmm. made me laugh. Um, but the point is, is that I hold it here too. When you have vampire tribes, just here, just look at Dustal Dawn. Right? Tells a story. It was a vampire ziggurat and they didn't know any better but to build a temple where truck drivers came to and it's all about the titty twister and women, hot women dancing and then they close the bar and eat everybody. How long was that going to last before it fell apart, realistically? Right? The movie doesn't address how many trucks fell off the ledge that they reveal in the back and were just stuffed down there in the bottom. Like, how many people came in to see... You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... It didn't feel like a realistic response. Like, I know for a fact, if if we're missing that much money and we send in stuff in there, you should see some type of thing. But I'll tell you the same thing my friends told me when I was, like, annoyed watching that film and mentioning it all. Bro, just a movie. Right, bro, it's just a movie. It's just a game. I was like, yeah, that's cool, but I kind of wanted to see the powerful vampire who had that kind of that pull, right? Strength. We didn't even get you know to the I mean? bottom of the cigarette either. They had it was that... just somewhere near the top. I feel that way about this book. Like it's all flash and glam, but where's the where's the meat? And that's what I that's what I kind of wanted. Now about that, because we're not done. I say a question, say a question. Um, if mortals are this powerful, how does the Gehenna War not bleed center stage? And simply get shut down by the Second Inquisition, you think? I have to think for the same reason that they capture these HVTs, which is mortals are just as corrupt. And that's the reason why these, you know, these five torches tenuously work with each other is because somewhere in between here and there, they, they're just too greedy in this thing. I want our own... Like, we, we had the same thing when we were talking about the Gru a little bit earlier, right? In terms of um, how they keep their information kind of secret. It's because if Russia could get their hands <laughs> on a Methuselah, and use that as a weapon, right? Why wouldn't you? Versus the states? Of course. Versus another organization? Even better. So I think even human interest stops it. But, alternatively speaking, if we're theory crafting, and that's where the imagination is, what's not to say a vampire already has their finger on the button? And they're like, no, 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 Gladius, stay. Hold on, society, Leopold. Lentita says, you you hold still. Wait till we <laughs> say go. It's not yet now. And I, I could feel you on that. I really could. One problem. So the Second Inquisition was the work for the Vienna Chantry, which is going to be a powerful site to take down, which is why it's so shocked. How it got mm-hmm. everybody's attention, right? You then have the Sabbat, which are now sloppy herds of, of these vampire nations roving for blood and diabolic victim. Like, it reads like there's 15 plus to a pack, just rolling over, killing everything, and moving on. Missile strikes, drone strikes, military armament, nations in real lives. They, they've used more firepower for less threats. Let's, let's face it, less threats than vampires, they've completely 
wage war and even genocide attempts and successful ones um, were we even handed out in, in, up in the modern time, like when the past 20, 30 years, stuff has been done. And, and because of that, when you think of the fact that, okay, you know about vampires and your answer isn't total annihilation. Well, we need to see those reasons. Like, I can mm-hmm. make up reasons, right? right you right, just right. did a couple, right? But I got a fear. This book mentions that there is a military, I believe is a, a ship, that got retired in the Navy that was then confiscated by a vampire organization waiting for the events that are that are going down in the Gehenna War. And in a time that suited them, they're going to use that ship. And, you know, then they talk about C-130s that they have and then a, and then a bomber that they have as well to use in the Gehenna War. And do you think they're just ramping up to put an end to the vampire line? I don't think so. I honestly don't. No? For the amount of effort that's being put to be as far-reaching as they are right now between the medias that they're taking. And, like, why blow up such a good thing? And I think it's it's right on the money with what we were talking about earlier. You need to put your toe in the water to see where it goes. What if, you know, if it... Speaking plainly, if it tanks, well, then I guess it's time to drop every single nuke bomb, stealth bomber, blow the doors open, Second Inquisition wins. We knew this was going to happen, folks. Or... We get to we get to see that fantasy work out, right? What if the second Inquisition is as the first Inquisition was, a ploy by the Methuselahs, a ploy by greater powers that be, just to flush everyone else who's underneath them out? You can see how that turns out. So, and so I'm gonna end this with a uh, a certain weapon that was used in here in this book that I laughed for a good five minutes on to see that it was deployed because I still think it's funny. How do you feel about a long range acoustic device? Like a sonic device. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at it, so <laughs> that's my answer. So, apparently this is used for crowd control, and I could see how it could be used for crowd control, especially on mortals. Making these really loud noises right. that, you know, obviously they're annoying, you don't want to be around, they hurt your ears, it can cause ear damage, and you could leave. And they use these to great effect to disperse crowds. But do you... I'm trying to imagine a player group who sees the vans come and you know they're here you know why they're here or maybe you don't know why they're here but they start seeing this alarm and see their government truck do you see players kind of sticking around to see what damage that sound can do I would hope not I wouldn't yeah it would be like a disorienting maybe day raid type scenario but I always thought a day raid you didn't want to make Mm -hmm. a whole lot of noise because you were typically in, in mortal confines and you didn't want to alarm the public as to what's going on uh, but you might want to disperse them from gathering. I laughed about it because I was like, I know these players that this this was made for. Right? I have some home game players I know for a fact that would have sat there, would you bring it a truck? We think a little sound hurts me, right? It just and everybody would think of auspects, be sure to shut it off. Like that would help you. You still mm-hmm. got an eardrum. And this is coming. And it made me laugh because it's not lethal, and I think that's their point. Is that a lot of this stuff is the herd weaken or debilitate you so they can set you up for the worst thing. And believe me, worse things are in this book. Um, they got fang rippers that they brought back. They have uh, stake throwers. They have a uh, uh, what you call it? The compound crossbow isn't a shocker. They have some go tos that are the typical. But I like the ammunition that they mentioned in here. Of uh, that thermal, what a magic grenades that just uh, that just burn right. burners, right? They uh, end end of shock or excuse me, end of rifles. They just launch these grenades in. And they end up slow burning a whole area that really wrecked shop for vampires with, with flame. 
and that's what they do. Real hunter stuff, though. I will take my hat off to them. So for this book, um, as a whole, is it a hunter book? Absolutely. Is it a book of antagonists? Yep. yep. Um, do you feel that? Does do you does it change at all? Did you to know there are some cool elements in here? There's some stuff to dig your teeth into, and really, it's a toolkit of a book less than it is a story. I a thousand percent agree with that statement because you phrased it in such a fashion. I a hundred percent agree with it because it is that it is more of a toolkit. Um, you know, don't go in thinking that it's like the Sabat book where there's like a cohesive story going along the way, but it is a toolkit. If you treat it as such, it becomes a lot easier to swallow. And I get it. It's cool. In a, for a bonus throw-in point, I got I got uh, real curious about how folks thought the usage of chemical weapons against vampires was going to work in V5. And I'll tell you what I did. Took it to the well, asked a couple folks. They came down to this one line. Ready? Blush of life. Unless intentionally brought to a semblance of life, the body of a vampire is functionally dead. They wrote themselves an out. Functionally dead can mean a lot. Are we referring to the fact that if blood flow got to the right organ, it would function like mm-hmm. it used to? Are we referring to the fact that uh, you're not fully dead because you still have locomotion and brain function, but yet you don't have brain function? It's newsflash. You are brain dead. Your heart does not beat unless blush mm-hmm. of life is utilized. Your lungs do not inflate any more than you get words out of your mouth. And, and that's that. Um, you don't have nerves or nerve reactions and things of that nature. So the question becomes, how does nerve agents and nerve gas and whatnot affect you? And to this end, I'm going to help uh, the writers out this much. Where they don't attach the the obvious here. And the obvious is that you, the storyteller, get to gauge if it would or would not affect vampires 100%. And that's, that's all up to you. Um, there's stuff in here that will affect their nervous system completely. And their ability to run, function, and all that stuff. Can you stun them? Um, one completely puts them in the torpor. There are things that'll do that. One I do agree with is that it's a necro, uh, the necrophage type of thing where it just um, like starts chewing away at you. Uh, but what I don't agree with is the last days. Now, here's why it was always an assumption that a vampire each day as they die, right? That slumber when they go through a cycle of kicking out all the, the stuff that entered their body, tattoos don't stay on them. Piercings won't stay if done after death because they revert back to the point of the curse when they originally got it, to their point of actual death. That means if I had anything in my body, a planted chip or anything of the sort, that should be pushed out. Some people say that's too critical. I say, welcome to the curse working for you. Where that's a negative for you and you can never be changed, at least unless you know as a means. That is just how it goes. You are immortal. That's kind of that uh, romantic act you bear. You will always be you. You will always be young always be powerful. That's the point in the draw of Vampire. Don't let a storyteller start telling you that uh, automatically the stuff that would affect living tissue and flesh use the use the axiom that well, your blood circulates to the organs so it could be affected. Um, tell them to do their research and make it make sense to you how bacteria and fungi will work to what they're saying. Shouldn't affect blood damage or brain damage and shouldn't stay with you for days or weeks. I'll agree to the moment to the scene. I'll even agree that if you've used Blush of Life in a scene and get hit with this, right. it'll affect you mm-hmm. to a minor degree. But the simple fact is it shouldn't thrive and be anywhere near as effective as they're touting in the book. And uh, that's that's more than me just saying, ah, this is how it should be. It's how it is. And I'm calling it. Right? But it is there for those storytellers who want to make it even more so. For instance, if you're thin-blooded, most likely I could see the argument that it would affect you more. The curse doesn't affect you as strong, and you're practically mortal. 
right? They even have a thing in here of daywalkers. There's a right. group of hunters who can go in the day, right? Because they're so thin-blooded, they're able to do that. And that's and that's that. Also want to mention, because it's fun, um, they have another hunter group that is trying to remove vampirism. They believe, and of course it's from Sweden, right? The G, What is it? The GKs? So. Is that what it is? Let me double-check it and make it right. Um, I found them unique because that was that was hysterical for me to read, right? Only the land of neutrality would come up for that. Um, it's that simple. Um, they uh, they believe they've have the legacy to achieve using occult knowledge they've had and been sitting on uh, to discover the mystical weakness of vampirism to develop a treatment for it and wipe it out entirely. There are unique, thought-filled, creative seeds in here that just don't see fruition in this book at this time. Be prepared for that. You're going to have backlash. You're going to have a negative tout. Some of you are going to even look at this and go, there's no care to the socio-political climate. And to that, I'm going to say this. I know some people are going to be pissed about a Japan insert, and the fact they refer to it is there's no mention of Kinder of the East in there, but this is V5. Right? I want to... They always said it was V5, mm-hmm. and that's the story. I already saw some other folks who said that in a, in a couple things, but I'm just going to point that out. Just remember that. Level head. Grain of salt. We don't know the future. Uh, but the other half I want to say is when it gets to the political climate internationally and worldwide and otherwise of now, we can't go back and chastise them for avoiding pitfalls, right? First, we're going to yell at them for, for being insensitive and putting in a book. Now we're going to yell at them for not having or caring to mention it, to have it in a book, to fold it the way that you're mentioning they should. We cannot have it both ways, right? So they have to give it to us in a neutral platter for us to make use of it as we will. Even for me in this podcast, and I, I have no qualms saying it, I don't believe I put my foot in my mouth when I make statements like, you know, man, they could at least refer to Russia having tanks being dragged off by farmers. I'm supposed to believe you have this super powerful mm-hmm. tag team group? Yeah, I'm supposed to. It's the world of darkness. That's what they wrote. That's that. Stop the hate. That's what I'm going to say. Just stop the hate. It's reviewed for entertainment purposes, and as this podcast just did for you, we reviewed it in our way to talk it through. Uh, to not exhaust you from you getting your own take by reading the book cover to cover. Um, we will have a behind the mic on the Hunter book as well as we have other things as we have time to release them. Patron only and specific for us, of course, on our, our 25 Years website. Find out, reach out for that as a benefit for them for further discussion. As always, if you have questions, reach out to us. And uh, DJ, I thank you. Um, Brennan, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> things, things happen and uh, time is time. So uh, thank you for being on as you could. And we'll catch you folks next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.